0: study this morning uh, on the book of Psalms, and um, I think we're going to begin that maybe next week. Uh, had some things ready for it and just didn't didn't believe that was quite the, the one for this morning yet, and so I want to teach on uh, something that I do about, every, about once a year or so, or once every year and a half. I did teach a little bit on this um, about six months ago, five or six months ago, um, but did not do it in its entirety, and that is on the subject of tithing, tithing, and again, I've taught this here before, but it's important for us to know this, and if there are those that were not here when we taught it, it's important for us to see this from Scripture, and uh, when a preacher gets up and says he's going to preach on tithing, that's when those with hearing aids reach up and turn them off, uh, or (laughs) or try to... Uh, tune them out, you know, because boy, tithing—that's you, you can deal with a lot of things from a pulpit, but you touch a person's wallet or pocketbook, and it's not a good thing. Uh, people get more upset over that than they will over doctrinal changes uh, that are of vital importance for eternity. Sometimes, but uh, I want to teach on uh, the biblical, uh, the biblical uh, doctrine. It is a doctrine of giving, and specifically dealing with. The subject of tithing, um, we uh, for many many years I grew up in believing one thing and had been taught uh, strongly uh, about it for years by many many sources and people that I <coughs> I respected. And a few years back, someone asked me uh, a question about it, and uh, and began to. Uh, I said well let me look at scripture let me me go and I'll take some time to look it up and it began about if I remember correctly at that time it took about two months or so I believe or close to that six weeks to two months of pretty thorough study on the subject because when I began to study it uh, I wanted to start in the very beginning of the scriptures and just work my way through and find all of the uh, passages on the subject that I could find and see what the Bible had to say about it and my goal, and this is this is um, interesting because my goal was to not have any preconceived idea, just strictly open scripture and let the Bible tell me what it says and i was I was trying not to be tainted with um, what I already believed or had established in my heart and that was my goal and I went to, I'd been I think about a, about a little over a week and a half <coughs> ten to twelve days somewhere in there on studying this and more and more I'm finding verses of scripture dealing with tithing, mainly in the Old Testament, that weren't lining up with what I had always held to and what I had always been taught on it and my my natural inclination, even though I was trying not to, is I was trying to find a way to make that verse fit what I already believed. In other words, what I was guilty of doing, even though I was trying not to, was to have a doctrine and then make my Bible match it. And, by the way, I'm just going to pause here for a minute, take a time out from that, hold that thought for a minute. I was trying to take my doctrine and make my Bible fit it, Keep that thought in mind. That is the the issue of versions of Scripture. Um, I'm not, not teaching on this this morning, but The pollution of Scripture uh, down through history has always been by people who said, this is my doctrine, and the Bible doesn't agree with it, so let me change my Bible. There's been a very small group of people who have held to the purity of Scripture and the fact that there has to be, there has to be, God has promised it, a preserved, infallible, inerrant word that we can trust and hold to And that when our Bible and our doctrine don't agree, we go to the Bible to get our doctrine. Rather than having a doctrine and making our Bible fit it. And that is the issue of Bible versions. (coughs) Now, we're going to untime out and go back to what we're teaching on. So that was my intent. My intent was to come to Scripture and let it form my doctrine (coughs) on this. But in practice, because it is human nature, I guess, I caught myself trying to make my Bible fit what I had always held to and what I had always been taught. And I want to just point that out because it doesn't just happen in the issue of tithing. It's important for you and I, all of us, to to not only know this, but to catch ourselves when we hold to an issue that when we look at Scripture, it doesn't quite seem to line up. We've got to make sure, no matter what the issue is, that we always defer to the Bible. Uh, Even if it means I have to change something I've held to for decades, even if it means I have to now change the position that many of my friends and a lot of the pastors and preachers and spiritual leaders that I have looked up to or read their books of or sat under their preaching of, teach otherwise, I still must default to scripture first and foremost. Uh, I want you to keep that in mind. Because when we deal with anything on the subject of giving, it can get very, very touchy on some things. So I'm gonna I'm gonna look at a couple things here. Let's start in 2 Corinthians chapter number nine. (coughs) Paul is talking about giving in first in the verse number one he says, for his touching The ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you, for I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them at Macedonia, uh, that that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. He's talking about uh, giving to the needs. This ministering of the saints was giving of material things to these saints that were in desperate need. He says, yet have I sent the brethren, verse number 3, Yet have I said the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that as I said, ye may be ready. Lest happily, if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared, we that we say, uh, not ye, should be ashamed in the same confident boasting. In other words, Paul said, you made it known to me that you wanted to give to the ministry of the saints. You were ready a year ago, and I've gone around and told people, boy, these, this church is ready to give to the ministry of the saints. And he says, now I'm coming to you and I'm letting you know ahead of time so that you're prepared when I come so that you can make that not just words but actions and do it. And so that's what he's saying in the, verse, the first few four verses here. Therefore, he says, verse number five, so based on this, therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty whereof ye had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as of covetousness. In other words, giving joyfully, giving out of your bounty and, and doing it willingly, not in a covetous way. But this I say, He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He that soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. Now, there's there's not a condemnation here. He's just making an observation. All right. If, if, a lot of times that verse is preached on almost as if sowing sparingly is a is a wrong or a sinful thing. No, no. He's just making an observation here. It's not a good or a bad thing either way. It's just if you sow little you're going to get a little. If you sow a lot, you're going to get a lot. And that's what he's dealing with in verse 6. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart. Do we see that? Verse number 7. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of what's the next word here? Necessity. God loveth a what? Cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Not of necessity. It's hard for me, it was hard for me when I came to passages like this in Scripture, to continue to teach tithing the way that I had always... Been brought up to believe in the way that I had always taught it, which was it is a requirement. A tenth belongs to the Lord. You don't touch that; it's His. You have to give it, and you have to give it every week, and you have to give it on all of your increase, and uh, and that's what we've taught people over the years. And as I was going through this study, I contacted a few pastors that I trust their opinion on things and. Asked them some questions about it. (coughs) All of them said, well, it was commanded in the Old Testament, and we don't see that God changed that or told them not to do it in the New Testament, so we just continue to do it. So my next follow-up question was then, are we doing it the way that it was taught in the Old Testament? Because if that is a true argument, and a valid argument, which I contend is not a valid argument, and we'll see that hopefully as we go through Scripture here, um, even if that was the argument, we still are not teaching it the way that the Old Testament taught it. So let's go and take a look at a couple of things here. There, there are two indications in Scripture prior to the giving of the law to the children of Israel of tithing. Uh, neither one of them were commanded to be done, but they were done of a voluntary spirit. Now, the first one was found in Genesis chapter number 14. So let's go take a look at this, because again, I don't want you to take my word for it, especially on something as important as a doctrinal issue. Uh, You should not believe a doctrine just because your pastor says this is what the doctrine is. You better have some scripture to back it up. You better know what the Bible says on the doctrine. (coughs) Let's look in Genesis chapter 14, and let's look at, uh, let's start in verse number 17, and we're going to read down through verse 20. And let me give you the setting here. Uh, Abraham has, Lot, Lot had been captured. His nephew had been captured. Abraham goes after him, defeats the people that had taken Lot, and he had the spoils of war that he brought back, and he goes by this place of um, what was referred to in verse number 17 is the king of Sodom. Uh, and the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of uh, chedor Chedor-Ober and of the kings that were with him at the valley of Sheba, which is the king's dale. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham Abraham of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he gave him tithes of all. So Abraham gives tithes to Melchizedek. That's validated in the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter number 7, that he had given tithes to Melchizedek. The tithes... Uh, were given to him um, from, uh, uh, well, a couple, couple of notifications. First of all, he gave it to the king of Salem, all right? Uh, Melchizedek gave it to a man. He doesn't. He's not giving it to God. He's giving it to a man. And just because it uses the word tithe here doesn't mean it is a religious ceremony as much as it is an honoring ceremony. It's an issue of the heart. Tithe simply means temp. That's all it means. Um that, were, that there is a tenth of what the spoils of war that he had taken. Uh, the other thing was it was from the spoils of war. It wasn't from all that he had. Nor was it all that he had, God had prospered him in He was not commanded to do so. This was a voluntary act, an act of respect, and, and an act of the heart towards the king of Salem. And then there is no indication that, there, that Abraham ever tithed, before this or after this again, In fact, in the book of Hebrews, when he's listed in the Hall of Faith, and again when he's used in the illustration of Melchizedek in chapter 7 of Hebrews, there's a great mention of his faith and some of the things that he did. Uh, The fact that he sojourned, he went into a place where he didn't even know where he was going. By faith, he offered his son Isaac. And some of these great things that were known about him, not once does it mention his tithing. So this was a one-time event to a man for the purpose of honoring or respecting that king for the blessing that that king had been to him and uh, sitting him down, giving him wine and bread and and uh, having that time of, uh, of meeting together. The second instance is found in Genesis chapter 28. So let's look over there real quick. These are the only two instances of tithing before the law was given to tithe. So I don't know that we could hold to Abraham tithing to Melchizedek and build a doctrine of the fact that we're under the same obligation. Because even if we were, we would have to tithe it to a king, and it would have to be from the spoils of war. Do you see the problem with that? So we can't use that illustration to say that's where we're building our doctrine. Um, but it is an introduction of what tithe is, and it is a tenth. All right? So let's take a look here now at Genesis chapter 28. Genesis chapter 28 is another uh, account of, this time, uh, Jacob. Remember, you have uh, Abraham, and you have Isaac, and you have Jacob and Esau, and Jacob uh, was renamed, if you'll remember, he was renamed what? Anybody remember? What did God give him a a new name? Israel, okay? So this is where Israel gets their name from, from Jacob. And Jacob was a, a shyster, he was a trickster, he was a deceiver, but at Bethel, he was no longer referring to God as the God of his father Abraham or the God of his father Isaac. From the time of Bethel on, Jacob refers to God as my God. Uh, this is my God now. And it's a point where God works on his life. And so Jacob has, he's not perfect. He still has some issues. He wrestles with God. Uh, and, of course, if you'll remember, the daylight began to break. And God said, I'm, uh, let me go. Jacob would not. He, he held to him, held fast to him. He said, I don't want you to go unless you bless me. And, and of course, God touched his thigh and he limped <coughs> for the rest of his life. Let's see. This, so this is the situation, or the scenario where Jacob uh, is uh, now going to make a, a tithe here. In Genesis chapter 28, let's look down <coughs> verse number 20. Uh, I'm sorry, let's back up because uh, I just mentioned what we talked about here at Bethel. Verse 19, And he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was called Luz at the first. So, this place where God met with him, where God changed Jacob's life, He did a transforming work in his heart. And Jacob did what? What's what's the next three words here? And Jacob what? Vowed, a vow. Okay, he he's not commanded by God. He vowed a vow. Now, what was the vow? It's a conditional vow. And Jacob said this, If God will be with me, if, that's a big if, if God will be with me, and will keep me in His way, that I go, and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my Father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God, and the stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house, and of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. And he didn't He didn't give it at that time to God, even though there's an altar set up there. He's not tithing right at that moment. What he's telling God is, if you'll bless me in these ways, and you'll be a God to me, you'll be my God from this point forward, I'll tithe, I'll, I'll give a tenth uh, to you. And uh, he says, of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give a tenth unto thee. There is a passage in Malachi that is often used when preachers preach on, um, on tithing. Where it talks about the fact that wherein have you robbed God? In tithes and offerings. Now, Malachi is speaking specifically to the nation of Israel because there was a requirement, a law had been given to the nation of Israel to tithe in certain areas. Now, one of those areas, I believe, was God holding Israel to this vow that Jacob made. And uh, we're going to look at these. So, what was the Old Testament tithe? If let's 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 take these first two instances and say, okay, those were special instances. You don't build a doctrine on those because those were unique. They were voluntary. They were not commanded. Nor did the fact that they they. Uh, had not done it prior to that, and oftentimes even after that, did not do it. Nor was it sinful for them, unless Jacob was breaking this vow, which I believe is what uh, God was telling Malachi to tell the children of Israel: You robbed God because you vowed. There's a vow that's been vowed, and you've not followed it. Uh, so let's see what the Old Testament tithe was. Okay, here's here's one of the one of the key issues here. Let's turn to the book of Leviticus, chapter 27. And um, we may take two weeks on this. I don't know if we'll get through all of it. Because, again, this took six or eight, maybe even nine or ten weeks to study all this. And to try to compact all of it into a a 30 or 40-minute Sunday school lesson is near impossible. So let's take a look now at Leviticus, chapter 27. What was the Old Testament tithe? Once it was given as a wall to the nation of Israel Leviticus chapter twenty seven, let's begin in oh, let's see here. Let's start with verse number thirty. And all the tithe of the land, so it's speaking here of no matter who you are, this is all inclusive of the tithe that is going to be given. And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. And if a man will at all redeem aught of his tithes, he shall add thereunto the fifth part thereof. And concerning the tithe of the herd or of the flock, even whatsoever passeth under the rod, the tenth shall be holy unto the Lord. He shall not search whether it be good or bad, neither shall he change it. And if if he change it at all, then both it and the change thereof shall be holy. It shall not be redeemed. These are the commandments which the Lord commanded Moses for the children of Israel in Mount Sinai. So what were they supposed to tithe on? What were they supposed to tithe on? In verse number 30, they were to tithe on the what? The seed of the land, right? The fruit of the tree. So their crops. Anything they grew, they were to make a tithe of that. What else were they supposed to tithe on? In verse number 32, there's another thing they were supposed to tithe on. They were to tithe on the what? The herd, or the flock, even whatsoever passeth under the rod, the tenth shall be holy unto the Lord. Now, if we take the argument that we're to tithe the way they did in the Old Testament, then you better go sell your house and build a farm. Because the only tithe you have is from the field and from the herds. And this is very clear because God says in all the tithe of the land. This is applicable for every tithe that God instructs them in. It is to be part of the ground, the crops, or it is to be part of the herds. (coughs) Now, that means you don't have a farm. Let's say you're Carpenter, Joseph. Could Joseph tithe? No, he couldn't. Didn't have an ability to do it. Wasn't required by the law to do it. Interesting. So, so let's take a look at some other things here. Um, there were three types of laws given in the Old Testament. I've shared these before. There were the moral laws that were given. These laws are laws that are applicable to all men. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not uh, steal. These are all moral laws that apply to everybody. It does not matter who you are, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile. It applies to all of them. It is a moral law of God. (coughs) The second second type of law is a civil law. So when God set up... uh, The priesthood, because they were a theocracy. Their government, if you will, if we call it that, was God, and then Moses, and then Aaron, and then the priesthood of Aaron, and then those that they designated underneath them that were part of the tribe of Levi, that that was their breakdown, their structure, if you will, their, their pyramid of command in the theocratic government that Israel had. And so some of the laws were dealing with theocracy for instance, are for civil matters. Uh, now, some of those civil laws uh, are certainly helpful to us to make our civil laws today, but we are not bound by those civil laws. For instance, if a young person talked back to mom and dad or was rebellious to them, the civil law said what? You yeah, stole them. Why? Because they wanted to make sure that kids behaved. They weren't out here breaking the law. They weren't hooligans. And so they put a pretty severe punishment on that, didn't they? If someone was taken in adultery, uh, even though that was a moral law, but what was the civil penalty for that? We don't do that today. But there are some civil things that we did learn from in Old Testament days. (coughs) Thou shalt not steal is a moral law with a civil penalty. We still teach that today. So there's discernment to be used, certainly, but the civil law is not something that we're bound under. The moral law we're bound under. Every man's bound under. It's God's law to man. Civil laws, some of them are good in the Old Testament. All of them were good for that day and for that people. But they can benefit us today, but we're not under that. We're not bound by that. And then there's what's called ceremonial or religious laws that were very specific to the children of Israel alone as God's chosen people. And these laws would be of a religious or a ceremonial nature. So let's take a look. Keeping those in mind now, keeping a look at that, let's take a look at <coughs> the three tithes that are mentioned in the Old Testament. By the way, tithe means what? It means a tenth. If there are three of them, that means that is three tenths, if you remember your high school math. All right? Three-tenths is not 10%. It's how much? 30%. 30%. So if we're going to hold the argument that we have to do it the way the Old Testament did it, then we better up our tithing really quick because it's 30%, not 10 like we thought. All right? But let's see what these these tithes are. All right? Uh, Termini, first of all, we're already here in uh, Leviticus chapter number 27. (coughs) Excuse me. Um. Oh, let's see here. Where do we want to start? Well, we can use the verses that we've already used uh, to speak of this. Uh, and then I want to continue to read on down verse number 32. And concerning the tithe of the herd or of the flock, even of whatsoever passeth under the rod, the tenth shall be holy unto the Lord. He shall not search whether it be good or bad, neither shall he change it. Uh, let's see, that's not the one I was looking for. Give me just a minute here. Uh, I didn't write down this passage, but I'm sure I've got it here somewhere. So we're probably going to hit it when I go down further. So give me just a few moments to come back on that one. All right. So the first tithe is this. It was to be used uh, for the Feast of Tabernacles or a feast tithe. Um, And that is in... We're going to find that here in just a minute. So I'll, I'll get back with you. I know I've got the reference here. So I'll point that out when I get to it. So one of them was uh, you were to set aside a tenth of your crops and your herds and you were to take it to a feast that happened every third year. And it was wherever God said to do the feast at. Normally it was in the area of Jerusalem. You were to travel with that tithe in, in tow. You were to go to that place and you were to use that tithe to pay for the expense of the trip and then for that week-long Feast of Tabernacles, you were to use that to um, enjoy the feast. Have barbecues. Uh, If it was your flock and your food, you had it to take with you. And there was a stipulation, and again, I'll give you the the passage because I do have it here, I know, in my notes. And we'll get to it in a minute as soon as I figure out which one it is. Um, You were then supposed... It was too far for you or the, the load that you were bringing was too big of a, uh, of a thing to carry, what you were allowed to do, what God made an exception for, was you could sell everything at your end of it, then go to the feast, and then use the money from that tithe to buy the stuff that you needed to enjoy the feast for that week. Um, and whatever, in fact, uh, the words used are, whatsoever thy soul lusteth after. So it was to be used for the enjoyment of, of that feast, you got to understand these feasts were not—they were—they were to the Lord. They were, um, in fact, this particular feast, the Feast of Tabernacles, was used to celebrate uh, how God had brought them out of forty years of wandering the wilderness, and so they they remembered that for a week, and they celebrated God's watch care over them, His miraculous bringing them through the wilderness. Um, and and so this was a, a holiday festival for them. It's something where they were thanking God for it. They were to do this every third year, <coughs> and so that was one of the tithes that they were to set back. Uh, and it was like putting it in a piggy bank or a savings account to go on uh, a celebration uh, that the entire nation would have for a whole week. The second tithe um, is found in Deuteronomy chapter fourteen. And again, I'll, I'll get you that other reference here in just a few moments because I'm, I know I've got it. But let's just see if we can get to this. Um, in fact, I know wh- I know where it is actually here. It is in Deuteronomy chapter fourteen. So let's take a look at that. <coughs> All right, Deuteronomy chapter number uh, fourteen. Let's begin uh, in verse number 22. Thou shalt truly tithe uh, all the increase of thy seed that the field bring forth year by year. So again, of your ground uh, or of your flocks. And thou shalt eat before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose to place his name there. The tithe of thy corn, of thy wine, of thy oil, the firstlings of thy herds, and of thy flocks. Now, again, of the ground or of the flocks? that thou mayest learn to fear the Lord thy God always, and if the way be too long for thee, here it is, so that thou art not able to carry it, or if the place be too far from thee, which the Lord thy God shall choose to set his name there, then the Lord thy God, hath, when the Lord thy God bless thee, then shalt thou turn it into money, and bind up the money in thy hand, and shall go unto the place which the Lord thy God shall choose. And thou shalt bestow that money, notice this, for the priests, No, not yet. For the church? No. For the synagogue? For the tabernacle? For the temple? What? Thou shalt bestow that money for whatsoever thy soul lusteth after. Now, it's not speaking lustful here as inappropriate or wrongful things, but things that are the appetites that you would enjoy that festival or that feast. For oxen, these are a list of some things that you could could use the money for. For oxen, Or for sheep, or for wine, or for strong drink, or for whatsoever thy soul desireth. And thou shalt eat therefore before the Lord thy God, and thou shalt rejoice thou and thine house. God is commanding them to do this. It is a part of rejoicing. It's a part of worshiping God and thanking Him for His deliverance from the wilderness of 40 years of wandering. Now, the second uh, tithe... The Bible says in verse 27, "...and the Levite (coughs) that is within thy gates, thou shalt not forsake him, for he hath no part nor inheritance with thee." That's a very important statement. If you'll remember, out of the twelve tribes, only eleven of them received inheritances. Uh, Levi, the tribe of Levi, was uh, uh, the priestly line, and they did not receive an inheritance. So they had no farms, they could not make crops, they could not have uh, cattle that they were raising... And so the only way they could live or survive was by the rest of the children of Israel bringing this tithe to the Levites, those that served in the ministry. Again, the tithe is not being given to God, and it's not an act of worship. It's just an act of necessity. They are giving to help the Levites live. Uh, Now, notice what it says here. Uh, And... uh, Thou shalt bestow the money, verse number 27, And the Levite that is within thy gates, thou shalt not forsake him, for he hath no part nor inheritance with thee. And at the end of three years thou shalt bring forth all the tithe of thine increase, and the same year, and shalt lay it up within thy gates. And the Levite, because he hath no part nor inheritance with thee, and, now here's the third tithe. We have a tithe that was used for the travel to the festival. We have a tithe that's to be given to the Levite. And we have a tithe that is to be given to the poor the fatherless here's an interesting word, the stranger. What do we mean by the word stranger here? And the Levite, uh, because he had no part or inheritance, and the stranger and the fatherless and the widow which are in within thy gate shall come and shall eat and be satisfied, and the Lord that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work of thine hand, which thou doest. There are other passages of scripture, we'll look at them next Sunday, that deal with each of those three specifically, that is a tenth for each of them. Now, I'll just go ahead and tell you, and we're going to have to end here, Uh, and if you want to find out what the Bible does say about our giving, you have to come back next week, because so far we've only learned what it does not really mean, and this is something we've done. But the stranger here would be uh, proselytes to the Jewish nation. So people like Rahab, who became a part of Israel, would be considered a stranger. If they were married to someone in a tribe, they would be okay and they would be taken care of. But there were some who remained unmarried. And because they were not of a tribe, they did not also have an inheritance. They were kind of like the Levites. They didn't have a plot of ground. They didn't have a place to live. And so any strangers that were like that, these would be non-Jews that had joined themselves to the Jews and God was their God. They were part of that people. That would be what is referred to here as the strangers. And then, of course, your fatherless is self-explanatory, and the widows are self-explanatory. So stay with me on this, and next week we'll talk a little bit further about uh, are we still supposed to follow after this today? If not, why not? And then what does the Bible say for us on this side of Calvary regarding our giving? And please don't miss it next week. uh, This is a a doctrine that has been so so misused and misthought over the years. I I always was confused growing up uh, because God tells us, uh, in fact, Paul was writing the Church of Corinth. He says, God loveth a cheerful giver. And I used to think, these guys are getting up here preaching at me that if I don't tithe, God's going to get me. If I don't tithe, I'm going to wind up in a hospital somewhere. And I've, I've heard illustrations of a pastor walking in when the lady had her gallstones removed. They were sitting on the window ledge, and she was proud of those gallstones. And he looked over and said, I don't see any gallstones. And she got all panicky, and they're right there. He said, all I see are tithes and offerings. He said, that, "That's folks, that's not biblical. That is not biblical. God wants us to give joyfully. And when we are under fear, it's very difficult to give joyfully. And uh, so hang in there and uh, don't miss it next week as we finish up dealing with this idea of tithing and giving. And uh, from a biblical perspective, all right? uh, We want to be as biblical on these issues as absolutely possible, Uh, not just what everybody else is teaching, okay? All right, so I hope that'll help you. Let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful for Your Word that you used it to teach and instruct us and that You've given it to us so that we can know these things. May You help guide and direct our study as we look into some of this uh, that is so vitally